You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. KYW Original Podcasts. Well, the Eagles finally got their first win of the season, and they did so in upset fashion. Sunday night football, 25-20 win at the 49ers in comeback fashion. Ray Dininger's on the line right now to break it down on very little rest. Uh, Ray, thank you for the time. Thank you for joining me on short rest. First question I have for you is, why do you think the Eagles were able to pull this one out? Uh, it just a collective effort. You know, coaches always use the term, oh, it was a team, big team win. Well, it certainly applies here. Um, I mean, Carson Wentz played his best game of the year by far. Uh, I thought he did a terrific job uh, just leading the team. I mean, his numbers were nothing special. If you look, if you just, you were just a numbers sort of person. I mean, eighteen for twenty-eight, hundred ninety-three yards. Those numbers don't blow you away. But if you watch the game, you saw how many big throws he made. Um, how he kind of led the team, uh, and especially down at the end when he throws the big touchdown pass to uh, to Travis Fulham. I mean, it's. Um, I thought that it was. Uh, a huge step forward for a quarterback who had clearly been struggling through the first part of the season. So he gets the lion's share of the credit, I suppose. But I think just about everybody that everybody that put on a helmet in this game uh, contributed for the Eagles, including some guys like Jannard Avery and Alex Singleton and Jordan Malata and, of course, Travis Fulham, who nobody even knows who he is. I mean, all of these guys had a big hand in, in winning the game, and that's kind of what it was required because the 49ers were a good team, and they're playing at home, and um, and they had been playing well. But the Eagles went in there and were very tough when they had to be. They hung in, uh, and they, you know, to give some credit to Doug Peterson, I thought he had some balance in the offense, 28 runs versus 28 passes. It was just about perfect 50-50 there. Uh, and the defensive line, especially the guys in the middle, uh, played really good, and that's where they had to. I mean, they had a couple matchups in there where they had the advantage, and they demonstrated that. So it was a, it was a big win, and uh, <laughs> everybody's going to laugh about the fact that at 1-2-1, and one, they're in first place in the awful NFC East, but that's the truth of the matter, and so uh, now it gives them a little hope moving forward for the rest of the season. Well, it certainly definitely gives them momentum, and like you said, there were, there were a lot of contributors. I, I, I look at three plays in particular that I felt kind of defined this game, in addition to all the different contributions that you mentioned, and the three plays, Ray, happened in, in, in real short succession of one another. Uh, the Cravon LeBlanc strip sack in the fourth quarter, and then about... Uh, say five minutes or so, four minutes, five minutes later, Travis Fulgham, like you said, that big touchdown, that 42-yard touchdown from Carson Wentz. And then on the next play from scrimmage, the Alex Singleton pick six that put the Eagles up 11. How huge do you think the the succession of those three plays were? Oh, for sure. I mean, that's that's where the Eagles finally really get control of the game. And then with the Singleton play, they put the game away. Yeah, that's... Because it was a game that was very close. I mean, up to that point, it's only 14-11, and not even a particularly exciting game, I think, for just the average TV viewer. You know, the average football fan who's tuning in, it doesn't necessarily have a rooting interest in Eagles 49ers. It's probably sitting there saying ho-hum. Um, but this was a game that was into the fourth quarter and was there to be won for both teams. And when it came time for the big plays, you know, the Eagles made them. It's, uh, the the Cravon LeBlanc... Uh, Blitz and sack of Mullins where he forces the fumble and Jackson recovers, gives the Eagles the great opportunity where they get the turnover 
uh, down San Francisco territory. And then, you know, you mentioned the touchdown pass to Fulham, which is the, the play that everybody remembers. But in that in that sequence there, uh, the Eagles go for it on fourth down. They go for it on a fourth and four. And that's a big play right there, too. You know, there's there was the question last week about is Doug Peterson losing his aggressiveness? Is he not the same Doug who won the Super Bowl in 2017? And, you know, there's a decision to be made there. At fourth and four at the San Francisco, about the 35-yard line, you're looking and, you know, do you maybe try a field goal here? What do you do? And, you know, he, had, he never hesitated. I mean, he went with it, and he threw to the rookie receiver and gets the, gets the big fourth down conversion. And then from there, they take it in and they score. So it's um, – I, I just thought that that whole sequence there was – I think you're right. I think that's where the game kind of swung in the Eagles' favor, and then the singleton pick six puts it away. In terms of Doug's aggressiveness, in addition to that fourth down, Ray, there was the two-point conversion attempt in the first quarter. And I'll be honest, at the time, I I thought... I don't understand why he's chasing points this early in the game, but it really it it played a huge part in the game because the 49ers were always that extra two points or so away from, you know, potentially being in a in a game time situation with a field goal at the end rather than trying to score a touchdown. Doug was aggressive this week. He was not aggressive last week as you mentioned. Do you think that all the chatter during the week and all the questions kind of lit a bulb in Doug's head that hey, I've been successful in the past being aggressive. It's time to be aggressive again. Uh, you know, he was asked that in his post-game press conference and he sort of rejected it out of hand and said no, that had nothing to do with it what people were saying. I don't care. Uh, it was just the right situation. I just felt like I just felt like uh, we should go for it at that spot. You know, sometimes, um, and I kind of I, I've heard coaches say that that sometimes they feel like they have a play that they have great confidence in. That this play that they've drawn up, this play that they've practiced, if they get into a two point situation, be it the first quarter or the fourth quarter, yeah, this is the play that we can execute. This is the play we can score. And I think he did feel that way. And the play they called was a really good play. So, but I think. I don't think it was a way of answering his critics so much. I don't know that Doug really cares or worries too much about that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it, I do think it was a moment for him to send a, a vote of confidence to his team. That uh, clearly people were asking that question. His decision to punt at the end of the Cincinnati game was sending a, 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 a certainly a, the opposite of a positive message to his team. Their inability to convert a fourth down there. So I think at the start of this game, feeling like they got the early touchdown, they got the lead, let's add to this momentum, and I'm going to tell these guys that, yeah, I have confidence in you, let's go for two. And, you know, I think it was more about sending a message to his team about this is the way we're going to play this game than it was trying to answer any of the questions from Cincinnati. Back to back to Fulgham, Travis Fulgham who was signed from the practice squad just the day before. He only had three games of experience in the NFL in terms of the regular season. It was as a rookie with the Lions last year. Three targets, no receptions. Last night, his first two receptions. He had a reception before the big touchdown. Travis Fulgham has one touchdown. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who didn't play last night because of injury, also has one touchdown, but in 15 more games. Why do you think the Eagles waited so long to give Travis Fulgham a chance? Uh, well, they didn't acquire him uh, until fairly recently, uh, and uh, and I think that there was you know, look. Arcega Whiteside hasn't contributed much, but he's been here for more than a year, so there there is a certain familiarity that the uh, the quarterback has with him that you don't have with the new guy. Um, but he was in the practice squad. He was on the practice field. They thought that he looked good. Let's face it; they were shorthanded at wide receiver. Um, I mean this. This was one of those things that just kind of fell in their lap. I don't think it was any master strategy here. 
I think they were just really shorthanded a wide receiver. This was a kid they had picked up off waivers. He had been cut by two teams. Um, they needed bodies, and in that situation, they gave him an opportunity. And Wentz threw about as pretty a ball as he's certainly as he's thrown this year. I mean, that, that was a, you couldn't throw that ball any, any better than he. I mean, he dropped it right in his arms. And then the kid makes a really good play to stay in bounds and score the touchdown. That's, uh, um, but you know the the Eagles are lacking for receivers uh, and playmakers in that area. They they just are right now. With just until Deshaun Jackson gets back, um, they're they're looking for guys who contribute a big play. And uh, in that spot, with the season really kind of hanging in the balance and an opportunity to get a really big win that could get your season back on track. They had confidence in a guy that they just didn't know who he was. But you know, like, as Carson Wentz said, I just gave him an opportunity, gave him a perfect pass, and it turns out into a big Eagles victory. Carson Wentz, how do you think he played? I thought he played very well. I thought he played um, – sometimes statistics can fool you. Uh, sometimes you look at numbers and they're really impressive, but if you break it down, you say, you know, no, he missed that throw. No, he missed that throw. This could have been better. Um this is a game where you look at the numbers and they look rather ordinary, to be honest. Uh, but I, I just thought if you watched the game, the throws that he made, uh, the confidence that he played with, I think that's as much as anything. Just, you know, he didn't look, uh, for most of the season so far, the first couple games, and uh, especially the game in Cincinnati, he just looked troubled. He looked frustrated. He didn't look happy. He didn't look like he was having fun out there. Uh, but last night he was. And it wasn't easy by any means. I mean, the 49ers were a good team, and it was a battle. But you got the feeling that Wentz was just, he was he was up for the fight. I mean, he was in there the whole game, uh, took some hits, but he ran the ball very well. Uh, I think the one thing that that the Eagles did here, uh, and the one thing I give Peterson credit for, is that he got he got Carson Wentz on the move. You know, I mean, he, he, let him run, he let him run the ball some, but he also got him out on the edge. There was a lot of bootlegs. There was a lot of design bootlegs plays to kind of get him out of the pocket. And I, I think part of it was a response to the fact that the offensive line had some injuries and they weren't sure how good the protection was going to be if he stayed in the pocket. The, one of the ways to protect him was to get him outside. But I think by getting him outside, you got him away from the pass rush, but you also got him into a nice rhythm because he does. He throws well on the run, and he seems comfortable out there. So um, I thought the coaches did a good job getting him outside, uh, and I think that Wentz made the, uh, took the most of his opportunities, made some really good throws, some really clutch spots, and uh, you know certainly the fourth down conversion was a big one on that drive, and then the pass to Fulham was the one that wins the game, and that was just absolutely beautiful. Um, the Eagles, in terms of statistics, did not match up to the 49ers even close, and, I, and I'm sure you wrote it down, but San Francisco outgained Philadelphia 417 to 267, passing 301 to 174, rushing 116 to 93, 25 first downs to 18, and they had 70 plays while the Eagles had 59. But the Eagles had the three takeaways, and in critical moments too. So my question to you, Ray, is how important was the defensive line in making those takeaways happen? Uh, very much so. And uh, I, I think that, again, is another case where you look at the, the individual defensive stats, which can often be very misleading. I think they were in this game. I mean, if you, if you look, you see, you know, Malik Jackson, you know, one tackle. Uh, uh, Hargrave has one tackle and half a sack. I mean, you look at that, again, it looks nothing very exciting. Uh, but I, I think if you just watch the way the game played out and you watch how much they dominated in the middle, those guys, uh, Ridgeway when he came in, um, and also Cox, 
I mean, the defensive tackles, it was a four-man rotation in this game, uh, and they were very good inside. I mean, they really slowed down the 49ers' run again. 49ers ran for some yards, uh, but they weren't able to sustain the running game the way they normally do, the way they normally set up their offense by just running the ball. I think they love to run the ball in first down, get it down to second and short, third and short. That's, that's how they roll. And the Eagles just didn't allow them to do that. Uh, and I think it started on the defensive line. The guys in the middle played really good. And the guys on the edges, I mean, Derek Barnett, uh, you know, really showed up in this game. I mean, he made some good plays. Uh, Jannard Avery is a guy that, you know, people were wondering, why did they ever trade a fourth-round pick for this guy? He finally got a chance to play some snaps, and, and he was impactful. So, yeah, I think the, on the defensive side, the takeaways were huge, and the pressure that was generated by the defensive line really created a lot of those opportunities. It, like you mentioned, it's it's kind of insane that the Eagles, who just picked up their first win in the fourth game of the season, are in first place. Nobody in the NFC East has two victories. And you were talking about last week, Ray, about how the NFC East is, is not, I don't even think it's even a shell of itself of what it used to be. It used to be the premier division in football, and now it's by far the worst division in football. So the Eagles are in first place. The Cowboys lost to Cleveland yesterday, giving up so many points, 49 points, ran all over the field. Washington, you know, is beatable. And the Giants, the, the, the Giants may be the worst team in football with their neighbors, the Jets. So, I mean, the NFC East is just awful. The 49ers last night are missing Bosa. They're missing Richard Sherman. Uh, Nick Mullins did not play up to what he was capable of. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play. So, Ray, my question to you is, was last night a fluke, or are the Eagles possibly turning a corner? Well, um, I'm not prepared to say that. I would say, I would say that, that, that yeah, last night's win gets them upright. <laughs> they're, they're on their feet now. Uh, and, um, look, they're by no means out of the woods. Uh, I mean, the next week's game is going to be a tough game. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a good team, uh, and they now have a week's rest, which nobody wasn't on the schedule, but that's the way it worked out. They wind up with a bye. So you're catching them at home off a bye. That's not going to be easy. And then the week after that's the Baltimore Ravens, and I think everybody knows who the Ravens are. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're not out of the woods by any means, but you know, I think the reality is you look at the NFCs, and it's not going to get a whole lot better over the course of this season. You know, Washington and the Giants are not going to be a factor, but they have been a factor for years. I mean, this is going to be the same old, same old. I mean, it's going to come down to the Eagles and the Cowboys, uh, and it's going to come down to those two head-to-head games, probably. Uh, but if you look around, I mean, the Cowboys are a team that they can they can move the ball and they can score, and their quarterback is putting up Madden game numbers, it seems like. But their defense is just awful. I mean, they can't stop anybody. They gave up 300 yards on the ground to the Cleveland Browns. So the Dallas Cowboys have huge problems on defense. And, you know, the Eagles just needed to get they needed to get in the game. They needed to get a win and, and get moving in the right direction. And they were big underdogs in this game. There weren't a whole lot of people that gave them a chance to win, including me. Uh, but they went there and they got the big W. Could be a lot better. They can, they can improve. But in what looks like it's going to be, once again, a pretty, uh, a pretty down-and-out division, yeah, the door's open for anybody that can play decent football. And last night the Eagles played more than decent football. So it gives you hope moving forward. I couldn't say that last week. Um, I, I certainly agree with you on that. Right. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you, um, and I ended last week's Friday interview in the same fashion because you mentioned how the Steelers are coming off of a bye, and they were coming off of a bye because of the Tennessee COVID-19 situation with that game being postponed. There was another game that was postponed yesterday, Kansas City-New England, but it was postponed only one day 
after a positive on each team. What's your reaction to that? Do you think it's too soon to play that game after the positive, t- the one on New England and the one on Kansas City? I was a little surprised that they that 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 was the way they chose to go about it. That they only made it a one day. I thought it was going to get uh, pushed down the line a little bit. Um, but you know, the, the league has protocols in place, uh, and they knew that this season. I don't think anybody was naive enough to think that they that the NFL thirty two teams, all these players, all these coaches were going to make it through a season without there being several of these episodes. Uh, and so they're they're just going to have to move the pieces around as best they can. I mean, the schedule's not going to play out the way the schedule was drawn up. You're going to have, to, you're going to have more of these postponements. You're going to have more games pushed back. Um, I mean, I, I kind of doubt that the Super Bowls, I, look, I think they're going to play a Super Bowl, but it might not be when it's scheduled right now. I mean, you might have to push the postseason back by a couple weeks to play off some of the games that have been postponed. That's a possibility. You may have to push the Super Bowl back uh, so that they can uh, have an opportunity to bubble the teams and do it the right way. Um, but uh, I think, you know, I've come to the conclusion now I think the NFL is going to finish this season. Uh, I think they're determined to do it, and everybody's just going to have to be willing to roll with it, you know, kind of like it was with baseball. I mean, early in the baseball season, the Miami Marlins have their issue here in Philadelphia where, you know, a bunch of guys test positive, teams get shut down for a whole week, they're shut down, the Phillies are shut down, the schedule looks like it's a mess. But you just adjust as you go along. I mean, it's it's not unlike what the rest of us are living with. I mean, this is a year where we're having to adjust every single thing that we do in every day of our lives. And uh, that's what the NFL is facing, and that's what they're doing right now. And, uh, you know, I think that I'm a little bit surprised that you're going to have that game tonight, but I'm sure they've thought it through. But this is not the, this is not the last time that we're going to have to do this this season. I think it's going to be – there's going to be more of these, and we're just going to have to roll with it. Well, we will see what happens. Uh, Ray Dininger, thank you so much for the time as always. Enjoyed breaking down this game with you, and we'll chat Friday morning to preview Eagles-Steelers. All right, I look forward to it, David. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.